with Jay Blessed is a transparent look into the life and mind of a Caribbean woman having human experiences. Get into my mind as I share my most vulnerable thoughts and honest experiences. I'll take you on a roller coaster of emotions as you get to know someone who might share similar experiences with you. Some might make you speechless, you'll definitely laugh. Others might make you angry and some might even make you cry. But my very real, very raw, very relatable weekly podcast will always keep you coming back for more. Join me as I talk to myself, talk to you, and even talk to some special friends in my head. (laughs) In my head is an introspective look from a voyeuristic point of view. For a list of all my social channels and how you can connect with me, please view this episode's summary. To join in on the conversation, use the hashtag headwithjb, that's H-E-A-D-W-I-T-H-J-B. And follow me on Instagram at realjblessed and Twitter at jblessed. Let's get in on the conversation together. Don't forget to log on to my official website, jblessed.com. A human experience from a Caribbean perspective. Episode 42, Keeping Caribbean Heritage Alive Through Online Storytelling, featuring Silkamom. In my head. Hey fam, welcome to episode 42. Ah! <laughs> no, well, technically it's like 45 if you count the three bonus episodes, but you know, either way, <laughs> we started from the bottom, now we're here. How about that? I want to thank each and every listener, each and every listener for subscribing and making In My Head the podcast part of your life, whether it's for entertainment or education or even therapy. Thank you for being a Jaybird. Thank you for sharing the episodes and even leaving a review. Talking about reviews, yo, I just want to shout out these new five-star reviews. Um, Back on May 14th, Jada wrote, Jay Blessed, without your podcast, there's a hiding shadow of live experiences. You're amazing at what you do every year. I look forward to the comfort of Mother's Day podcast or post from you. So keep up the amazing work, Miss Courageous. Thank you so much, Jada. Um, Shauna, who was on our episode, um, a girl chat on, on motherhood. She loved to review. I love you. Thank you, Shauna. Oh my God, I'm gonna keep that to myself. Um, (laughs) shout out to Sandy, who this past Monday wrote a review. Um, This podcast is so eye-opening and amazing to listen to. It's real on topics that make you realize you're not alone. I started listening while I take my early morning walks, and before you know it, I've walked four miles and craving more Jay lyrics. Sing on my sister, the world is listening. Thank you so much, Sandy. Much love. Thank you to everyone who's left a review. Thank you so, so very much. Listen, for the month of June, Head with JB will be highlighting Caribbean Americans you may not have known about during my Caribbean American Heritage Month series. So last week, we had Dr. Aletha Maybank, VP and first ever chief equity officer discussing health equity in episode 41. And on today's episode, I'm giving one of my sisters her flowers. In my 
Eva Green Wilson, also known as Soka Mom, is a wife, mother of three, international speaker, author, illustrator, and graduate of Howard University School of Law, and the owner and editor of SokaMom.com and founder of the Soka Mom Summit. Eva is known for her humor and heart and creating fun videos for brands, having an engaged community, and being a trusted source for information on Caribbean blogging, parenting, and education. For the last nine years, she has written about Caribbean American parenting, working on campaigns for companies such as Walmart, AT&T, and Beaches Resort. She has won Best Parenting Blog and Best New Blog in the Black Web Blog Awards, and she is a She Knows Blog Her Voices of the Year honoree and presenter. Eva is also the author of two children's books, and Nancy's Family Reunion and Winston Won't Go. The former president of the Howard University Caribbean Law Students Association is also the founder of the Soka Mom Summit, a conference that is currently held virtually, where she uses her background in marketing and technology to share the stories and display the talents of leaders in the Caribbean diaspora. In my head. In my head, fam, Jay Birds, help me welcome to the show none other than Soka Mom. <laughs> Hi, Eva. Hello. How you feeling? I'm actually pretty good. I'm pretty good. I took a good self-care Saturday and... I'm back and ready to do things. Yay. How is it in Chicago right now? I know with all the protests that are happening and I mean nationally, but how how is the energy in Chicago? Well, the side of town that I live on, I don't see a whole lot. I'm in the city, but I don't really see a lot. So I'm hearing basically the same things that you see on TV. So, you know, the... Every now and then we'll have a protester on the sidewalk that, you know, has up their sign that says honk for justice. So we'll hear a whole lot of honking for about an hour uh, until they leave. But, you know, it's it's pretty supportive here, actually, in the city. I hear it's not so much in other parts, um, but where I am, people are pretty supportive. All right. So, Eva... AKA Soka Mom, you know, I always ask everyone when they come on the episode or when they come on the podcast, how are you really feeling? I'm feeling content. Yeah, I like that. That's the word I would go with. You know, I'm feeling like personally content. Am I content with everything that's happening around me? No, because there's injustice everywhere and it affects me. It affects my family. It affects my friends. It affects people in general. So, but within myself, I feel content. I think that's so powerful and beautiful to hear because in the midst of the storm, you can find some peace. And, um, you know, that's, that's really powerful to hear. So thank you for that. Thank you for your honesty. I am so excited to have you finally on the podcast, sis. I'm here to give you your flowers today. (laughs) I'm excited to be here. Listen, I am so excited that you're here and I gave everyone your intro before you came on. Um, You know, we're gearing up for the second virtual Soka Mom Summit that you launched back in April of this year. And I know you planned on having that to be an actual physical summit, a meetup 
for people all over the country and maybe even the world to converge in one place and for you to have this actual summit. But you've managed to pivot in such, from the outside, a seamless way. And I know you would actually accredit your your background in technology for being able to say, well, you know what? I can't physically have a summit, but I can do this virtually. And you did that. How about that? You need to like just dust your shoulders off. <laughs> but I want to know how hard was it or how easy was it for you to, to pivot like that? Well, I think that the idea was easy to come up with to say, okay, well, everybody's meeting this way now and this, this won't be too bad. But then, you know, you get started and you realize that sometimes your idea is a little bigger than, than you, you know, figured it would be. I remember, I don't feel it this time because I'm more prepared. We did that in 12 days from idea to the first speaker speaking. And, um, but having had a few months now, I'm not having the panic attacks because that was a very real thing. Like in that last one, the Thursday before, I actually had to just go into a room, turn all the lights off, put on my ocean sounds and monitor my heart rate on my phone. Wow. And I said, I'm not doing anything else with this summit, with these kids, with, I'm not doing anything else until my heart rate is at a normal place because I couldn't breathe. I couldn't think straight. It was just like, this is supposed to be good and this doesn't feel good. So, you know, it, it was tech, like the technology was relatively easy because of my background, but the coping with the event itself back right. then. All the moving we pieces. Uh-huh. You know, you've got the stress from that. Right. You're locked up in the house. And, you know, my vision for it was pretty big when it was going to be in person. So I didn't want to compromise that. I didn't want it to be, you know, oh, I just threw something together and, um, and we'll hope that it works out. I wanted it to be good. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to just say, we're just going to do something. I wanted it to be really, really good. So, yeah, it was, the technology was easy, emotionally not so much. So, I mean, I hear you talk about, and you know that in my head is a mental health focused podcast. And you talk about just having literally like an anxiety attack. Is it something that, that happens often for you or? No. Right, so. I am a very, usually, and you know this, I'm usually a very level person. There's right. not too many, I don't fluctuate too much. So for me, it was very, very new. Right. Wow. And I said, I, I mean, I didn't really have a lot of words for it other than this doesn't feel good. Right. And I can't think, which is unusual for me. I can't breathe. I haven't had an asthma attack in I don't know how many years, but this felt worse than an asthma attack. It was just a lot. Do you think that that feeling stemmed from, you know, you doing something new, 
something that really wasn't done before in in our, in our community and the pressure of making sure that it was perfect? I do have a lot of perfectionist tendencies. You know, the if it's not right, I'm not going to do anything. Right. I'm I'm at that place and I've I you know, it's not something that I have really been able to get out of. But you're right. I was kind of at that place where not doing anything wasn't an option. So what do I do? I better calm down and do it right. And it turned out to be beautiful. Like it was amazing. If if I hadn't taken a minute and, you know, even though it hadn't happened to me before, that's why it's so powerful that other people tell their stories, even though it hadn't happened to me before in that way. Hearing other people describe it, at least I could identify what was happening to me. Right. Like, girl, you can't breathe, but you don't have COVID-19. Calm down. You don't have the COVID. (laughs) Calm down. Right? So, you know, having people say, this is what it feels like. Right. I could say, okay, I'm feeling at least two out of three of those things. Let me go lay down, take a minute, take a breather, and then get back to work. Because, you know, sitting there in a panic... I wasn't going to get anything done. So I might as well sit down for an hour and just not deal until I can. Thank you for saying that. You've just given someone some tools on how to deal with anxiety. And it does manifest in your physical being. You feel it in your mind first and then it travels to your body. And for some people, it might be a tingle in the back of their neck or they can start getting goosebumps or their heart palpitations or, you know, for various things. And you know your body. And so if your body tells you to just stop in that moment, stop, take some deep breaths. I talk about the power of the breath a lot on the podcast, and I'm so grateful that you, you identify that within yourself and that you also shared that part of your story. Now back to that whole perfectionist thing that you, you have going on. I gotta ask because, um, I'm trying to figure out where that stems from. And I could I could try to imagine being that you are a first generation Caribbean American. <laughs> Was there a lot of pressure on you to be perfect, to be an overachiever? I mean, I, I, I'm 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 asking. Um, I wouldn't say that exactly. I would say I had a lot of examples of what I believed was perfection and I never quite reached any of them in my brain by whose standards uh, mine um because I, I don't think I had the pressure to be perfect it was just kind of an expectation that you were as close as you could get so for example a C meant that you just didn't show up to class. You just weren't there. You you obviously didn't even write your name on the paper. That's what a C was. <laughs> a B, like I, I remember in the fifth grade, I got one C. I think I had all A's and one C. And I went to summer school for the summer. Wow. And I mean, and it, it was humiliating. It was you know, unnecessary, but so it wasn't a, a verbal, you have to be perfect. It was average is not okay. Wow. 
That's average good. is not okay. So a B, eh, you know, you tried. But a C, which everybody is, it's, it's average. Wow, that's deep. That's not going to work out. That's deep. I know you're talking and a lot of people are probably resonating with this message because they they know <laughs> what you're talking about. Like, what? A C? Yeah, like most people say, oh, you, you failed, so you go to summer school. Oh, no, no, you got a C <laughs> at one, one out C. of other grades. <laughs> you're going to summer school. So... I know a lot about you and my listeners do not. And I'm, I'm doing my best this month of June to highlight a lot of Caribbean Americans that people may not know, you know, who are who are thriving in their respective spaces. And today's episode is titled Keeping Caribbean Heritage Alive Through Online Storytelling. And I wanted to focus on the fact that Caribbean bloggers are really um, powerhouses that should be respected. And I wanted to give you your flowers because Soka Mom um, started back when I started, like in 2011. You started before me, I believe. You started before me. And I was just, I was just so excited to see another Caribbean woman or Caribbean blogs or Caribbean content online because it was so rare to find. But your content was so specific and it, it had a, a different voice from mine. You were speaking from the voice of a Caribbean American who was born to Caribbean parents living in America. And you were able to translate your heritage and your culture in such a fun and engaging and hilarious way at times. And I I was just so drawn to that. So you've been able to carve out your own path and your own space digitally using your heritage as a sounding board uh, to engage your audience. How, how has that transition been for, for you from starting back in 2011 to 2020, having your own summit? Like walk me through that. Well, when I started, it was mostly about finding people who were like me at that particular time, right? People who, and, and you'll find a lot of people, Caribbean Americans, who don't feel included. Right. Right? And it's it's not that our experience is the same. It's not. It's not even, it's not close. But we do have an experience. So being open, and like you said, telling your story, it brought people who had other ideas about who Caribbean American people are, what, what they're like, you know, it, it brought people in to say, hmm, we're different, but not that different. Right. Right. And one of the things that was important to me when I first started was not to fight the whole you don't count narrative, not to fight that, but to say, we all count. Your experience is valid. My experience is valid. Um, We do have some similarities, but they're not the same. And we can get together and laugh about those similarities, right? Twitter is the best place for that. (laughs) Because, you know, you've got people from all over the globe, and everybody knows that somebody can throw that slipper like a boomerang and 
from miles away and get you with it and get it back. Whether you're in Brooklyn, whether you were like me in Aiken, South Carolina, whether you are in Trinidad, wherever you are, there is somebody who can pelt a slipper like no other. Right? Pelt a slipper. <laughs> there's, you know, there's, there's an experience, even if there's somebody who is coming here and, and they're, they've got words that you go to school, you say these words, and they look at you like you have lost your whole mind. My whole, you know, growing up, I thought these were like real English words, like these are words, but why are you looking at me like I'm insane? Yeah, I remember there was a time you posted, um, you posted this blog post about things you'll find in a Caribbean home or a Trinidadian home. I can't remember the exact title. And one of them was in every Trinidad. Oh, yeah, I think it was a Trinidadian home. You had a swizzle stick. You had tea bags. And you had in every Trinidadian home, there's always a bag with plastic bags. And I. Yes, you need a bag of bags. You got a bag of bags. I did. I'm like, but she's American. She's American and she guessed that. I'm like, I'm Trini. We do that shit. We know that's this life. And that cookie tin that never has cookies in it. It always has sewing needles. Hair bows. Nails. In our house, it was like nails, screws, those little hex keys that put together. I mean, but... You know, it was not until I was an adult that I was like, oh, shoot, you don't just buy the tin and put foolishness in it? You, it was a cookie? <laughs> yo, and those, I love Danish cookies, yo. I actually use those tins every year to bake black cake in them. True story. I thought they came with black cake in them. I they came with nails in them, band-aids. That's what I had no idea. I'm like... Oh, butter cookies! Like the, oh, it's okay, a real cool. thing. <laughs> like I never considered that you could actually get a tin with cookies in it. I, I can't. I can't. I love the fact that you you know you start off as a blogger. Um, from how I know you, although you've had you know you you owned your own company, co-owned it with your husband, a technology company. But I I came to know you as a blogger, and since then you've been very innovative and very diverse in your storytelling. Um, going into videos and extremely funny videos and then, you know, your YouTube page, um, engaging content to now doing the summit. But all while doing all of this, you were raising three kids as you still are and a husband and homeschooling and being a wife and a mother and a CEO and a partner and then even a student, sis, sis, tell us, tell us the secret. How the hell you managed to do all this shit and still post cute pictures of your food? I want to know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's funny. When I graduated in 2017, I sat down for a good two years because I realized that was ridiculous. And I hope that nobody looks at the things I did during that time because it didn't, it didn't make sense. I dropped my oldest off at college. My family flew back to D.C. and I flew to Toronto for, to speak at, a, at an event. That's, and I had just graduated myself. 
That's not normal. So I hope that people don't, on the outside looking in, say, oh, if I don't do all of those things, I'm not successful. No, if you don't do all those things, that just means you're not crazy. I would not advise anybody to make an attempt to do all of those things because if you do four years worth of things in two years, there are going to be two years that your life is going to take back from you. You don't just get extra time. Nobody gets extra time right? You can mash it all up into two years if you want to, but your life is going to take those two years back from you. And that's what happened to me. I sat down for two years. Everybody's like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know what? Nothing. What do you do? I don't do anything. (laughs) I breathe. That's what I do. I rest. So, So a lot of things were compressed into a short period of time. So it really had a superwoman look to it. But also, if you look 2017 to 2019, it's a pretty quiet set of years for me because you, you, you are going to have to recover when you do those, you know, I want to say superhuman, but it, it just doesn't make sense. You, you shouldn't be doing that kind of thing with your mind, with your body. You know, if you have time, take the time. That is something that I should have spread out. So at how, any do time, I, how did I do it? I don't know. At <laughs> any time, did you think, uh, yeah, I'm not doing this shit anymore. I'm done. No. And that's why I, I thought it was, it was normal, right? I didn't think that I was doing anything out of the ordinary until my body said, all right, that's it. Sit down. We're done. Okay. My brain was like, I'm not I doing so, anything else. I still don't get it. How were you able to homeschool? Take your daughter to gymnastic practice even. Go back to Howard to to law school. Still have silkamom.com. Still work with your clients. Still cook food almost every day. I just I just want to know. Like I what is I sis, I still don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, I have told you that it wasn't a smart thing to do. <laughs> I'll go ahead and tell you. I didn't sleep very much. So, um, you know, I, I didn't sleep a whole a whole lot. And eventually, towards the end of it, um, I didn't listen to my body at all. Wow. So, you know, I remember I had a health coach. You guys will hear from her at the Soka Mom Summit, and she spoke last time as well and I'm explaining to her how I'm feeling and I think you know she didn't want to panic but you know she's like well you know she's from St. Kitts she's like well you know you should should definitely go to a doctor I think that would be a I think you should definitely wow (laughs) and when I finally went and they did the blood testing in the office they sent me directly to the hospital from there wow I came from class and I went to the doctor, and they drew my blood, and they sent me, they, she, she said, listen, I want you to leave this parking lot, because it was next door to the hospital. I want you to leave this parking lot, and I want you to drive over to the next parking lot, because I don't think that you can walk. You're going to pass out. I want you to drive to the next parking lot, and I'm going to call ahead for you, and they're going to meet you. You're not going to wait. That's an 
if I had not gone to the doctor, trust me, I would have gone on with the rest of my day. I would have, like you said, leave class, get to the kids, drive one to gymnastics, make dinner, and I might not have made it to the next day. So I didn't listen to my body and I didn't sleep. That's how I did it, to, to be honest. Huh. What was the outcome of you going to that, that, that clinic after? What did the doctor say? Um, I was severely anemic um, to the point where pills weren't really going to do anything. And they said, you need a blood transfusion before you leave here. Um, they said they weren't quite sure how I was walking around and sane and that my organs hadn't just, you know, Collapsed. Yeah. So, so, so now you was, know now, would you, would you have done the same thing? No, no, I would not. Um, so even up to now, I still have to take iron every day. I still have to take a supplement still every day. You know, I was still dealing with fibroids and, you know, things that, that women in our community deal with. Right. Right. So on top of that, there was the fibroids. And on top of that, there was the stress. And then on top of that, there's the perfectionism. And, you know, the where I am today, I feel a lot better. I am thinking to myself, if I actually took care of myself back then, with all of the things I was able to do with, like, a tenth of the fuel that I was supposed to have, how amazing could I have been? So, you know, and would I have needed that two years of recovery time if I had taken care of myself then, if I had slept then, if I had, you know, eaten right back then. So when I have these conversations with people at the Soka Mom Summit, a lot of the people you'll realize are people that would have saved me back then. I have nutritionists. I have people who talk about diabetes. I have people who talk about mental health, people talk, who talk about managing your household while also caring for yourself. So a lot of the stories that I get other people to tell are pieces of my own experience. Right. Because I don't want anybody else to have to go through that. I don't want anybody else to feel like they have to be this superhuman person because right. it doesn't, the, it's not going to hold up. You're not going to be able to survive all of that. And, uh, you know, in the midst of all of that, you went through these experiences so that you can share your story. And, and, and you're doing so in such an authentic and transparent way. And I appreciate you for that. Man, man. Gosh, Eva, I didn't know that. Listen, you take two years off and you come out on the other side and say, okay, well, uh, a summit is cool. I can. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Did we learn the first time around? <laughs> yeah, let me, let me go ahead and, and take those uh, iron pills they've been telling me to take and, you know, eat right. And, and I, I, can actually, I can actually do some pretty amazing stuff. So, so let, me, let me go back a bit. Um, I didn't even ask you about your, your, your Caribbean upbringing. So, you know, tell us, you know, a little bit about your Caribbean heritage, um, your siblings, like just give us an order of, of, of your life so we can just kind of shape, you know, who Eva is in our mind. So Caribbean, where were you born? Caribbean parents, et cetera. 
So I was born at Howard University Hospital, where a lot of Caribbean people's children who are in school at Howard are born um, in Washington, D.C. Uh, Howard has a huge legacy when it comes to foreign students from, you know, Caribbean islands, right? right? So I came in as a part of that. Um, My parents became citizens after I was born. So I was born to uh, parents on the student visa. Wow. But they were older. You know, they, um, I was born when my mom was 32. I think my dad was like 35. You know, I have older parents and um, I have one brother who's older. So it's just the four of us. Um, My dad is from Tobago and he is the laid back kind of, you know, He's the big one in. They're like, very laid back. He's intelligent and he's an attorney. He's retired now, but he, you know, I grew up with an attorney, but he was the most laid back. Like I would go to court with him and, you know, he would do his opening and everything. And then once stuff starts going, he walks up to the judge and they start to have a little conversation and then everything is kind of over. And I'm going, huh. That's nothing like TV. That's kind of, you know, so his <laughs> upbringing and the kind of mood of Tobago, he brought that into a Southern courtroom, right? Mm-hmm. So seeing that was amazing to me, right? Because he had his Tobagonian accent and the whole thing with this super deep South judge and these, you know, and he was able to kind of, bring himself right and be able to use who he was and his culture and how he was brought up in a place that was so foreign right so that kind of made me think hmm i can do what i want (laughs) i can do what i want i can be what i want i can be my whole self and that's an asset right right my mom was uh she's from belmont and she uh is a retired pediatrician, very, uh, not very social, but you know, the, the, I don't even know how they would diagnose that now, but she, hmm, very serious, a serious person. (laughs) Is that a a good way to put that? (laughs) A serious person. Like, she came out of a type of poverty that I would never understand and that a lot of us today, you know, would never understand. But in order for her to come out of that, she had to be a very serious person. Eva, I got to stop you because I don't want my listeners to think I'm just cackling for no reason. It's the way that you actually said, I don't know how they would diagnose this right now, that I had to cackle because... Listen. Because you talk about a Caribbean mother and I was... Now I understand why you had to do summer school. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm sorry. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. You can see that. 
can you feel that? I can feel it. <laughs> well, I need a second. <laughs> See, this is why people come to my blog, because you will be cackling at, and my son says that this is a problem, probably some sort of psychosis, I don't know, but he said, you know, you laugh at the worst things. Mama, you laugh at the worst things. And I'm, because, you know, mostly when I'm talking about my upbringing, he's like, none of that is funny. I'm like, you know, it really is. Because you have to laugh to keep from crying, okay? Yo, I am literally to. crying. <laughs> you have to. He's like, mommy, that's not funny. That's Man. a whole That's a whole episode by itself. We're going to come back to that one day. <laughs> I love when you talk about your kids. Um, and I know, you know, just listening to how you talk about your parents and your upbringing. And, 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 and we haven't talked much about your kids yet, but... How how was it being, you know, like first I know I know part of your story, you were at one point in time a single mom. Yes. Um just walk us through that as if you can, like the transition from being a single mom to finding the love of your life and having, you know, giving your your, your eldest son two more siblings. And, you know, navigating life as a full family. Like, how was that for you? Talk to the single mothers out there who feel kind of hopeless that, you know, they're struggling alone or they're by themselves. They are by themselves. And who's going to love me or am I going to find someone? So take us through your journey a bit. Well, I will say I didn't have the shame that people sometimes feel from their family because my mother, uh, my grandmother had my mom at 16, going on 17. Right. So, and then she had me as a married woman at 32. Right. Right. So, you know, our family has many, many single moms in it. You have some that are married, some that are not, but most that are not. So there was not any kind, and I was an adult, so there wasn't any kind of, um, you know, shame. It's mostly, what are you going to do? And whatever it is, you might need to go ahead and get started, Mm -hmm. right? So I did grow up in a very solutions-oriented family. You've done it. Now what are you going to do? So I, you know, you you deal. Um, Was your family supportive? Because solution-based yeah. support, okay, I just want to know. Yeah, they, 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 I mean, you know, it's, it's funny, and it's kind of it's like this in every family. It's not necessarily being supportive of you. It's supportive of your kid. Um, that's where the focus is. It's not Eva needs a break. It's I, I want to spend time with the kid. And, you know, from that, I Eva gets a break. Right. I, I, right? I, I get you. And I'll take it. I just want sometimes you just need a minute. So I'll take it. Whatever your motivation is, fine. Take him. I'm out. I need a, I need a minute. But, um, you know, and I was one of the first of my friends to have a child. So they were available to support me and things like that. Transitioning and uh, transitioning to being a married person was different because on two sides, you don't have, you don't make all of the decisions by yourself. 
and you also don't make all of the decisions by yourself. So there was a time where I could say, this is what we're eating for dinner, and I don't have to discuss it with anyone. Who am I going to talk to? The two-year-old is going to eat what I tell him to eat. That's the end of that. But, you know, whatever my ideals were, whatever my thoughts were, that was the rule. But when you get married, that's not the way that any of this works. Right. So you actually have to have a discussion with somebody else. So that probably was the hardest part of that transition. Um, But as far as, you know, finding somebody and you know how some Caribbean parents will tell you, oh, you know, you're not going to get anybody else. You're not going to be, no one's going to want you, all this kind of bullshit. These are lies, friends. (laughs) These are lies. Come on. Mm Mm-hmm. That's not how any of this works. I don't know who told them that or what playbook they're reading that from, but that's not how any of this works. They're reading from their own pain and trauma and trying to project that on you. That is definitely projection. Because I will tell you, if I did not have... Now, I'm not telling people to go out and get pregnant. Please don't do that. It's expensive. (laughs) Now that we have said that part... It is likely that if I did not have my oldest son, that I would not be with the person I'm with right now. Hmm. Because the events leading up to us even being in the same spaces, that was about my son. So you don't know what's in the cards for you. You don't know what, you know, all of this is leading to. It's, a, it's funny, I, I remember taking my oldest to a football game. And uh, with a friend of mine, and I, she took a picture of us. Evan is on my lap. I'm in the stands. And after I got married, I was looking back at that picture. And my husband was in the stands behind us in the photo. Wow. And we had not dated. Wow. We had barely spoken. Like, I didn't know him other than to say excuse me when walking past him to sit down in this huge stadium. Wow. So, you know, I would not have been at that football game if I didn't feel like, you know, I got to be mom and dad. Lord, I got to sit at this football game. He got to see a football game. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so... You never know. You don't need to sit back and say, oh, I'm, I'm, you, and I definitely heard that from people that weren't in my family. Oh, you're not going to get nobody you use up now. You this, that, and the third. The lies. It's lies. It is lies. Everybody makes some mistakes sometimes. And it's only when you have a kid in those mistakes that you actually get a chance to redeem yourself with a whole human being. Like, what kind of chance is that? That's amazing that you have a chance to shape a whole human being's life. What? You better take that and do what you got to do and enjoy yourself. And do it from a place of healing. That is so powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, in, in the midst of all that, you know, Evan and Dave and, and Eden, why, why, why did you choose homeschooling? I want to know. <laughs> uh, I'm, and, you know, what you know of my personality, no one would expect me to homeschool. So Eden, as soon as I could get them to school, I sent them. Just Let's just be honest. That's who I am. Um, 
I am not the sit down on the floor and play Legos with you kind of mom. I'm not. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> Eden went to school as soon as they would take her. Um, her little, they didn't even make uniforms small enough for her. We would have to pin them up. Uh, to, uh, her little socks wouldn't stay up. What, but she was getting up out of my house, right? So <laughs> she went at three to a kindergarten first grade program, right? They thought, oh, she's so cute. She'll just be and it'll be fine, and, and, and she'll just be cute, and we'll just look at her, be cute. Okay. I'm like, fine, y'all taking her all day, because, you know, most preschool programs till noon. I'm going to need longer than noon. So she went, and she came back. She went in August, and by middle of September, end of September, she was reading. And I'm like, oh, boy. Oh, this is going to be okay. Um, but... And then it just, she just was consuming all of this information that she was really just supposed to be sitting there being cute. That was the plan. But she's getting, she's, she's soaking in all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, she started to have symptoms of anxiety at three. Mm-hmm. Because there's something comes with being able to consume that much information, you know. Um, so she was taking in everything and I took her to the pediatrician and we have a three-year-old who's biting her nails till they bleed. And she seems fine on all other fronts. She seems fine, but she, the anxiety was an issue. Like she would, um, I would go to pick her up and I pick up Dave, I pick up Evan and I'm looking for Eden K finder and, uh, go to the principal's office. Principal's office is pitch dark. And the principal, amazing guy, amazing, uh, go into his office and he has pushed two chairs together in the corner. And Eden is KO'd on these two chairs. He has turned all the lights off and he has shrunk back trying to peer over his glasses to still do his work at the computer in the dark. Wow. Because Eden can't manage that much stimulation all day long. Mm-hmm. So they had to find a place where she could go, where the kids couldn't, you know, she couldn't hear the kids and stuff like that. But she's picking up all of this information. So by the time the year was over, they wanted her to be in a third, fourth grade class. And I'm like, that's not going to, no, she won't even have a finger left the way that she is. No, <laughs> this won't work. From kindergarten to third or fourth grade? Is that what yeah, you're telling me? Yeah, that wasn't going to work out. Wow. It, it wasn't going to happen. Um, so Eden was indeed gifted. Yeah, and but, uh, you know, at, at that point, because it's, it's one thing to be gifted, and then there's another thing to not be able to manage it. I think that a lot of children are gifted, and they're gifted in different ways. Right. Some people consume information with no filter. You know, some people get the information, they filter out what they don't need, and they keep it moving. But some people collect it with no filter. And that's a lot to manage, especially for our little brain that's only been here for three or four years. Right. And if she continued that way, she, she might not have been okay. So I said, all right, well, you got to come home. The, the other two that know how to filter, y'all go ahead and stay out there. And you come home. Now, that doesn't mean that I stopped working. I still had the company with my husband. So we just got a larger office, and she had a room that she would learn at her own pace. I put the books in there. She had her videos, the TV, and she learned at her own pace. 
and that was the end of that because she's four. She didn't need to know anything if she didn't want to. Yeah. So we did that, and um, so I, I guess I was officially office schooling at that point. But then my other two, um, they're gifted in their own ways. My oldest was gifted with words, but not so much with the numbers. So, you know, we weren't able to find a program that would help him with his math. So he came home. And my youngest is a social genius, so much so that he was getting A's but was able to avoid doing any work. <laughs> the teachers were like, we like him. We just gave him an A. good enough. He's got an A. And I'm like, that's not how any of this works. So within, the, within, Eden was home for a year by herself, and then it was everybody. And then once I was like, all right. Everybody's math is good. Everybody's reading's good. Get out. The oldest was like, nah, I'm not going anywhere. Wait, what? What do you mean? What does that mean? How does that work? Wow. <laughs> and you, you were, so, it, it's a, I'm, I'm so grateful that you're sharing this story. And I thank you for, for, for the work you're doing as a mother, because you're raising these brilliant children to give them to the world, Right. And you were able to pay close attention to your children and see their needs um, and, and, and put them in an environment that was adaptable to those needs. There's so many parents listening to this episode right now that probably are hearing some things that resonate with them and like probably thought homeschooling might be an option. And here they are hearing how one woman did it. You have to have your community, you have to have, you know, your family, you have to have your doctors, but you have to know your child. You have to take time, spend with your child to see where their strengths are, where their weaknesses are. And you did that with three. Jeez, I, you're my superhero. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying. Because and I have to say, I did have a lot of help. I have a cousin who, when I was in law school, she would literally, all she said, she would just be like, just drop them off at the door. You don't even have to come inside. I could honk the horn or call her and she would come outside and get the kids and walk inside. She barely waved goodbye to me. And when I was exhausted at the end of the day and it's time to come pick up the kids, she would let me just pass out on her couch. Mm. And be like, you know what? It's fine. We'll just walk around you. It's okay. Wow. You know, so having a village was very, very instrumental in that. Very. Love the fact that um, Evan's in college, right? And is he? Well, he's he's not now. He he went. And like I've always told my kids, I tell them now, uh, college ain't for everybody. So... You try it. You get prepared for it. I, I, I don't. You don't get to decide in high school the college ain't for you. You get prepared for it. You do what you have to do to get there. Get the SAT scores you need to get into where you need to get to, and then you can decide if you don't want to be there. I love your parenting, Eva. Like I really love your parenting, and I know it differs from how you were raised. Very much different. <laughs> and, and I love the fact that you give your children autonomy to just be 
who they have been called to be on this earth and to make these choices. Um, but, but you're also guiding them. Okay, so I'm not saying don't go to college. I'm saying do everything you need to do to get to college. But then when you get there, if you feel like right now, the first year or two, you might need a break, go back. And this is coming from a mom who went to college and then went back to law school. You're amazing. Okay, I just want to. It's not for everybody. And I will say this um, the one rule that I do have is that everybody has to have a trade before they go to college. So by the time you're 18, you have to be licensed to do something. So my oldest had his real estate license um, at 18. Wow. So I do make sure, like, you don't have to go to college, but if you're not going to go, the state better say you are able to do something. So so Evan has his real estate license, but Dave, I know he has his car show. What is Dave doing? You know, what, what is he working towards? Dave's thing now, it, it, it hasn't changed. Dave loves cars. So now his, his thing is that he talks to friends and family and helps them make their car buying decisions. What? He's very, very proud of that. So he has these emails that he sends out with his recommendations. What? And, you know. How old is Dave? Dave is 15. What? And all he cares about is cars. That's really it. That's, that's all that's ever mattered to him from the time he saw his first vehicle, probably. So, wow. you know, he goes back and forth with his, um, you know, extended family and, and sends them his thoughts and suggestions and safety ratings and all kinds <laughs> of things. Dave's blue book. And then, yes. and then Eden, Eden is a metal gymnast. Um, she even appeared on a national television show for gifted children, and she is the current Miss Chicago teen. Wow. What a family, Eva. What a family. Congratulations on that. That is just amazing. Like, You're an interesting bunch. <laughs> like right now, with everything we're going through nationally, how do you, as a Caribbean-American mother, talk to your children about racism, especially since they spend some of their time being homeschooled and then now assimilated back into a school environment and changed states? So how do you, how do you talk to them about racism? Well, they grew up very different from me. I grew up in the South where it was in your face all the time, rebel flags everywhere. Right. Um, My husband grew up in a northern city in Delaware where, you know, they're Quakers and the history of abolition and all of those kinds of things. So a lot of it, um, you know, my husband is involved in those conversations because he has more of a. I want to say normal experience. My experience with racism was not normal. The South um, in the 70s and 80s is what you see on the movies, you know. So I I can't really speak from my experience because it doesn't parallel theirs today at all. So I I talk to them um, as far as how they're feeling about themselves because when you hear what people think of you just based on what color you are, it can be jarring. You know, they, Dave said to me last week, it just occurred to me that I'm going to grow up to be this black man that everybody hates. 
Wow. So all this time, he's been seeing himself as a person, as a human being. I'm Dave who likes cars. I'm Dave who runs track. I'm Dave who plays tennis. I'm not Dave the black person who runs track. Dave the black person who, you know what I'm saying? He's, he's always been very aware of who he is racially, but that was a description, right? That was a cultural reference. That was not something that defined who he was above and beyond his personality. And that's what they're experiencing today, that people don't even get a chance to know who you are. When we talked about the guy who was bird watching, she didn't say there's a bird watcher that I feel I feel threatened by this bird watcher. Right. The first thing she did was threaten him with his race. Right. And, you know, so that was one of the things that really made the children sit back like, wow, it just so happened he was, you know, from Harvard and that he was on the board at the Audubon Society. You know, it, it just so happened, but that's not who she saw. Right. And she didn't even consider that he might have a family or he might, that's, that's, that wasn't even an, uh, a factor. So, you know, talking to them right now is mostly about how they feel about themselves and reinforcing that even though other people don't see that their personality and who they are is important, it is important and that we see them and a lot of other people do see them too. That's powerful. Eva, um, the whole premise behind this particular episode was about celebrating, you know, Caribbean American storytellers and those who use like online storytelling in the form of blogging, podcasting, um, video, and now a virtual summit. And, you know, it kind of deviated a bit. And I love it. I love when I have a guest that come on the show and I have this whole thing planned out in my mind about how I'm going to conduct this conversation. And then it just goes into a whole... I absolutely love that. I always tell people to leave room for, for the spirit to flow. And I'm happy for the opportunity for us to get to know you a little bit deeper, to hear how you parent. And I, and I think that was kind of the source behind the whole Soka Mom. Like, first of all, why, why even the name Soka Mom? And, and it's trademarked, all right? So y'all don't even think y'all can do anything. <laughs> but what did you come up with the name Soka Mom? Um, it was pretty simple. Just, you know, the music that made me really feel connected. You know, I my dad brought home some soca music when he went for his father's funeral. I was, you know, kind of young and he brought that home and I grew up with a whole lot of different music with Calypso music. My dad had the reel the reel tapes and we would sit in the basement and listen to it, but nothing hit me like when I heard soca. Like that thing I was like, oh, this is who I am as a person. This is me. I love right? it. So that's a huge part of who I am. And um, that that feeling of being connected, When I, whenever I hear it, I feel connected. So, And then I'm a mom. So that was, I just wanted people to feel connected. And I wanted people to feel like they were a part of something. When you started blogging um, back in 2011, were there other Caribbean bloggers that you paid attention to, looked up to back then? 
I know that, uh, like Patrice, Afrobella, I knew that she was Trini, but I, she blogged about beauty. So seeing that, um, I think I looked at her more of what you can do as a blogger. Right. Because she didn't necessarily blog about um, culture in that way. Like that wasn't the forefront of her platform. But mm, I, I can't really think of anybody when I first thought of it back in, like I, I reserved the name in 2009. Right. So I can't think of anybody way back then that made me say, oh, this is how I'm going to do this and this is what I'm going to do. So you know how Afrobella is the person that when they, you think of brown beauty blogging. She's she a godmother. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I didn't really have uh, a godmother like that to say, oh, this is how I do it. And this is these are the things that work. These are the things that don't work. I just did it. Just like I just did this summit. I said, <laughs> I see a need and I just do it and see what happens. You were recently featured um, as a Caribbean woman in tech by a woman of Silicon Valley. And just last week, you appeared on a discussion online with uh, Caribbeans in tech and entrepreneurship site. Um, how important is it for you to like promote STEAM or STEM? I, li- I like STEAM because you definitely use the arts, um, science, technology, engineering, arts, and math um, as a future for Caribbean people. How important is it for you to promote that? Oh, I think it's really, really important because it levels the playing field a lot. Like, just being able to code, I know people who've followed me for a while, you know that that's something that's very, very important to me. And not saying that you have to code your own things, but to at least be informed enough so that you know who to hire to help you, or you know who to partner with to help you. So... You know, I think that that definitely levels the playing field, especially when you have companies that will hire you with no degree. All you have, and and they'll help you get the certifications. It's just like learning another language, like Spanish or or French or something like that. But it can take you so much further right. than 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 just being able to communicate with other people. You can communicate with everybody with Steam everybody. So and like you said, the so opportunities I, I, are limitless. Yes. The opportunities are amazing. And I think that for where we are right now, people who go ahead and make that one of their priorities, they can, they can definitely be successful. We've seen people that, cause you don't need much. So interest, you don't need much. Interestingly, how come you went to Howard to study law the last time and not something in the technology field? I don't feel... Okay, so a degree in, in the technology field is if that's what you want to do as basically your full livelihood. Like if you're moving into management and, and stuff like that. If you're going to learn enough to code or to at least look through somebody's code or to know the types of tools that you're going to need, you don't need a full four-year, two-year degree in something like that. I originally went to law school because of the time I spent working on Socomom and the people that I met. I really wanted to do something with immigration because I saw so many things going wrong. 
Right. You know, it was just, it was painful to watch. Um, but then even when I got there, my focus, I took immigration. I did very well with refugee law and immigration law. But my focus for my heart, surprisingly, was still, well, not even surprisingly, but was still technology. I loved social media and the law. That was one of my favorite classes, law practice management, like things that were business and technology related drew me to them. So um, I still stayed stayed with that. And then when I came out, focusing on the business aspect of the law and social media and social justice with technology has kind of been important to me. That's powerful. You, you're also an award-winning blogger. We know that. But you're, you're also a published author. Yay! <laughs> you have two children's books, and that's so dope. What advice do you have for, for those who have a book in their minds or, or a draft and don't know what to do next? Well, I would say just start writing. It doesn't even really have to make sense at the beginning because sometimes you'll just start writing and a couple of sentences become the story. And then you'll know what direction you want to go in. Right? I have a lot of unfinished drafts, just mm-hmm. a ton of them. And then sometimes out of those comes one full story from a couple of sentences. So just start emptying your mind out and commit to writing a certain amount every day, even if it's not all on the same topic. Just say, I'm going to write 500 words today. Challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. How about that? And what advice do you have on self-publishing? Um, I would say just don't, don't be afraid of it. Yeah, just go ahead and... And start. You know, there's a lot of resources out there. You don't have to spend a lot of money. You know, there's there. You don't have to spend a lot of money if you're. Is doing there a particular Is there a particular place that you would suggest that people start first if they're considering self-publishing? I would say start with by getting your ISBN number. Okay. That's the first thing, because when you look at these packages and things like that. You know, they'll say, oh, I can do this and do that. And you have to figure out who owns this and who owns that. And get your ISBN number. Get it on your own through the official, go to Bowker and get it from there. Um, After that, you know, you don't, there's not a lot that you need somebody else for. You may need people for formatting. You may need people for illustrations and cover art. But if you have those talents, and some of that stuff you can do on Canva. I, I hate to, you know, Hello. Yes, love. take somebody's business, but Canva is also <laughs> an option. And you're, you are such a great illustrator as well. So, yeah, Canva is the shiznit, and I am so pro Canva. Like, listen, hello, honey. Yeah, there are book covers on Canva, and they're gorgeous, so... You can also use that. Um, you don't have to spend a ton of money. You, you just need to know what your purpose is. Mm-hmm. Why are you doing it? Mm, why? Are you doing it because you want to become a New York Times bestseller? 
or are you doing it because you need to write this story and get it out? Are you doing it to help promote or legitimize your business? There's a lot of reasons that people self-publish. Right. So, you know, you got to make sure you know your why before you get started. And that will inform how much money you spend and how much help you need. So I you think know, that's, that, a, that's an overarching question that everyone should ask in every aspect of their life, right? What is your why? Why are you choosing to do this? Why do you want to do this? Why are you still in this, <laughs> right? Right, and, and right. a question we should ask ourselves often enough. Um, you're still blogging. You have transitioned into doing a lot more on a multimedia basis, and and what what was your why? Let's 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 wrap up by asking you that. Is your why the same why you had when you started back in two thousand nine, two thousand ten, two thousand eleven? Is that the same why? It really is. And you know, I'm glad you asked me that so I can assess. But yes, it is. My goal was to connect people to culture. And I feel like the more simple your mission is and your why is, the easier it is to kind of stay within it. So if I can look at whatever I'm doing and say, hmm, does this connect people to culture or at least get them to a point where they're curious about culture, then yeah, yeah, I'll do it. If it's not aligned with that, then it's not going to be part of what I do. Yo, in my head, fam, Jay Burrs, we had one of the leading Caribbean American bloggers ever to ever do it. <laughs> Ms. Soka Mom, a.k.a. Eva, or Eva, a.k.a. Soka Mom, has been on the podcast today, episode 42. Eva, where can we find your books? And your books are so grounded in Caribbean culture and history and, you know, like Anansi. When we hear Anansi, you know, that comes from Africa, but I grew up hearing about Anansi in, in my primary school, right? And you've been able to put those into books from your own perspective. So where can we find your books? You can find them on my website, sokamom.com. You can also find them on Amazon. Uh, you can just do a, a search for my name or a Nancy's Family Reunion. That's my first book. Um, so yeah, you can find them on my website or Amazon. And we cannot close off this episode without talking just briefly about what's happening this coming weekend. It's all about the second, the second Soka Mom Virtual Summit. Tell us more about that, Eva. Oh, it's exciting. Okay, so <laughs> I'll be quick. Um, it is June 12th to the 14th. I'm very happy to do it during Caribbean American Heritage Month. And we have some speakers that we've had before and some that are new. We have this time what's different is that we have some paid sessions. So I wanted to allow um, a space for the entrepreneurs to share their information in small groups and, uh, you know, kind of expand their business while they share with our community. So some of them are doing free sessions and paid sessions. Some are just doing free sessions. Some are just doing paid sessions. So you have a lot of variety there. Big new thing is kids' content. So the kids are involved in the summit this time. Mm -hmm. So we have story times, we have um, a session on activism for kids using video 
we have, uh, and I haven't told anybody publicly. So this, this is just for you guys. I Are love exclusive stuff. Are you ready? <laughs> Go ahead. So Saturday night, <laughs> we have a family set. What? Yes. Where we have a DJ that is going to help you and play the best music so you can party with your family, with your kids. You can show them how low you can get. They might be appalled. (laughs) They might not be shocked at all. But they might, you know, show them what you can do. Yes. Show them how to move. With those knees. Yes. You can dance with your kids. You can dance with your spouse you can grandmothers with grandkids like we're just gonna have a good time so family set i love it and those of you who have skill skills you can let us know that you want to be on screen and let the world know what you can do okay so okay so if you really know what you're doing Yo, okay. Or you've, got a, or you've got a kid who has who is good. Okay. I can't. I think I'm gonna have Mimi do that. How about that? I think that would be fantastic. I haven't spent so much money for for dance for all these years for you. <laughs> <laughs> <Are> you kidding me? <laughs> she, she she better represent for you. She, she better represent for you. Kidding me? Um, I'm so excited about this summit. Um, thank you for having me be a part of the first one. We had an intimate discussion on mental health in the Caribbean along with Seneca Williams. So that was amazing. Um, yes. This time around, we're doing something really special. So by the time this comes out, we're getting you guys hyped because this weekend is really all about the Soka Mom Summit. And you can do this from your home. You can have it playing what you're doing while you're working from home, or you can spend that time just to focus on the content that Eva and her team have been producing just for this weekend and watch it on YouTube, watch it on Facebook, or watch it live off of the Soka Mom Summit page. So you can go to SokaMomSummit.com to register. You can watch on our Facebook page, the Soka Mom Facebook page. You can watch, um, if you're within the Soka Mom group, you can watch there, and you can also watch on the Soka Mom YouTube channel. Now, since we have kids and families participating in the family set, that is not public. So that is something you need to make sure that you register so that you can get the information on where to join that. And all of this information will be in this episode summary. And look out for my particular segment with Dr. Jeff Gardier. You know, we focus on mental health and a lot of us are exhausted emotionally, mentally, just going through. There's so many amazing sessions happening. Go to SokaMomSummit.com. You can see the list of all the speakers. And there are men. Okay. Okay, there are men that's going to be there. For the first time, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> there, there are going to be men there, so please don't think this is just a woman-based event or, or summit. No, get get the men in your life involved. There's something for everyone. Eva, is there anyone you want to shout out before we wrap up your amazing episode on In My Head? Well, I want to shout out you for even providing this platform, it is a form of activism, I believe, to give Caribbean people a place to discuss mental health. And that is the thing that 
you know, everybody's like, how can I help? How can I be a part? That's, you can, you, you're an activist with whatever you're good at, whatever your story is. Performing that, providing space, holding space is a form of activism. So I want to shout you out for doing that. That, that is fantastic. That is and everybody who is speaking at the Sokomoff Center <laughs> who has spoken before, ba, 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 I appreciate ba. all of them because many of them donated their time yeah. and their talents to provide information for our community at a crucial time. So all of them. <laughs> yeah. Eva, you are amazing. And like I said, when I started off this episode, I wanted to give my sister her flowers you have been a source of inspiration and light and encouragement. And I'm so grateful um, that you are one of my sister friends. And I'm so proud of all of the work that you have accomplished and the work that is ahead of you. I know you can you can handle it, but just know that you have a tribe behind you to support you and to help you along the way. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. I You had me thinking about stuff I hadn't even thought of. I'm going to have to go back and listen to this episode and be like, girl, what did you think? So. Thank you so much, Eva. Thank you. <laughs> well... You know, like I said in the in the interview with Eva, sometimes I have everything mapped out in my mind how I'm going to handle this particular conversation with this guest. But I oftentimes leave room for for energy to just flow and things to happen organically. You know, sometimes you got to go off script. And I'm so grateful just to be able to share Eva's story and you know, just introduce her to a whole new, a whole new audience. And and I encourage you to go visit Sokamom.com. I encourage you to go register today for the Sokamom Summit. And I also encourage you, if you have children in your life, purchase her books. This is how we, you know, support each other by reading a blog, by sharing a story, by sowing a seed into someone's business by purchasing their books by you know this this is all part of our movement as caribbean people and as black people of supporting each other so make sure you register for the soka mom summit it is absolutely free to register some of the new segments or sessions are not free so you want to look into that um but overall the soka mom summit is free go register I'm doing this not because she's my friend, but because I see the value in the work that she is doing and bringing voices from all around the region to have these healthy and powerful and engaging and entertaining conversations. So make sure you're part of that. All of this can be found in this episode's show notes. Yet again, it's another episode. I can't wait to have you guys next week. Next week, next week, next week, next week, we are preparing for Father's Day, right? So the Wednesday before Father's Day, when I drop that episode, listen, we're covering Caribbean American Heritage Month, we're covering Father's Day, and we also covered Pride all in one episode. Y'all don't want to miss this. What? You don't want to miss this. Yo, it's your girl, J Plus C. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you yet again for listening to yet another episode of In my head.